we see the gap that separates where we are from where we want to be. And it's almost like it paralyzes us to inaction when we're like, how do I ever get there? It's such a big gap. But I think we underestimate the power of small actions every day of doing something that gets you closer and closer. Because over time, those build, it becomes like the snowball. Lo and behold, a year from now, you see yourself, oh, I'm published here. I work with this brand. I do this. I made it happen. But it all started because you were taking those small actions every day. Welcome to the Travel Media Lab podcast. I'm your host, Yulia Denisuk, an award-winning travel photographer and writer, entrepreneur, community builder, and a firm believer that every one of us can go after the stories we've always wanted to tell with the right support, encouragement, and structure. I'm on a mission to help women storytellers everywhere break into and thrive in the travel media space. If you're ready to ditch your fears to the side, grow your knowledge and confidence, and publish your travel stories, you're in the right place. Let's go. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Jessica Vincent. And if so, you're going to love today's episode too. If you're a newer listener to our show, you might not have had the chance to work through our whole library yet. Over the last seven seasons, we've recorded a variety of interviews and in-depth episodes on a range of topics in travel media. And that's why this week and last week, I'm sharing with you two very special episodes from our archive. So today I have this episode that I'm very excited to share with you. That is a panel discussion we did all the way at the very start of the podcast back in 2020 with our three circle members, photographers Tony Parat, Laura Wheatley, and writer Hannah Foster Rowe. I think this is one of my favorite episodes on the podcast because it is so real, raw, poignant, but also uplifting, inspiring, and affirming. I just love the community we're building inside our membership, The Circle, as well as the larger Travel Media Lab community. And this episode gives you a glimpse into the kind of atmosphere we have. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Today, we have a very, very special podcast episode, and I'm super excited to welcome our three wonderful guests. We have a photographer from Saskatchewan, Canada, Tony Parat. Hello. We have a travel and lifestyle photographer and writer from New York, Laura Wheatley. And we have a travel writer from London, UK, Hannah foster I know these three wonderful women from the work that we've been doing this year with Genius Women. Hannah and Tony were in our uh, Storytellers in Action Masterclass this summer and Laura and Tony are in our Circle membership that we're running now. And so I'm really excited to introduce you to these three women and to talk about the topics that are near and dear to my heart, but I think to their hearts as well from from all the conversations we've been having this year. And those topics are going after our dreams and what does that look like in practice? This is a topic that I'm really, really passionate about. And about pursuit of creativity, about the fears that are often stopping us, about community, about all these wonderful topics. So welcome, friends. Very, very excited to have you here. First of all, what I would like to kick off our conversation with is this question. As creative careers, right, pursuing 
things like photography, like writing, are very much still an untraditional, an aspirational but untraditional career path that seems like it's out of reach for many people. So I'm curious, when or how did you realize or did you think that, hey, I, I want to go after this untraditional, aspirational, out of reach career path? How did that happen for you? I've always had untraditional, aspirational dreams because I grew up wanting to go into like theatre and performing arts and stuff. I've always been, I've always been a dreamer, like really in that, in that sense. And then, yeah, as you sort of, as you get older, like your dreams start to evolve. And then I realised that I'd become far, far more passionate about travel than I had been you know the path that I'd been trying to pursue before with working in theatre and doing playwriting and stuff and then I don't really know when my light bulb moment was but my mother-in-law actually has been saying for a while like oh you should you should start a travel blog or you should you know you should do try and make your love for travel into something and I was just like oh yeah but you know I'm not I'm not qualified and all those kind of things and I just woke up one day in February and was looking at what was at the time quite a busy year of travel that I had planned right. and and I was like oh you know i you know, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to places like Oman and I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to go to Finland and Estonia and places like that. And none of that, none of that happened. But I was like, you know, I want a way of documenting this year and I want this year to be the start of, you know, how I mean to go on. Started a travel blog and then lockdown and coronavirus happened. And I think I'm one of, must be one of the only like writers travel writers that's continued just going for it throughout the whole the whole pandemic in sort of blind hope yes that's so interesting so you're basically you your decision to go full in into this has started or has blossomed in the middle of the pandemic, which is quite an interesting way to kick off this career. And that's actually, I think in one of the episodes, we talked about this, that people ask me right now, how can you even like imagine doing something with travel right now? Like what, you know, there is no travel to speak of. And I'm like, listen, it's always going to be hard to launch this career. It's going to be hard this year in the middle of the pandemic. It was hard for me four years ago when travel was there. It doesn't matter, honestly. It doesn't matter. You need to start and you need to not let any of these things stop you because it's going to be hard this year. It's going to be hard next year. It's going to be hard when travel returns. So don't let that stop you. It means you have to be more creative, actually, Hannah, right? In figuring out what can I write about this year when I can't actually go and, and visit some of these places, you know, it almost gives you more space to figure out what are the stories that you want to tell? What are the stories that I could be telling about traveling, about exploration, about cultures that don't depend on me going somewhere right now? So just a different way to look at that. That's amazing. And, and for our listeners who are listening to this episode, that was Hannah from London. <laughs> It's funny that you say that it started during the pandemic, because I feel like for myself, it was the same. My first inclinations towards something really artistic or creative was when I was in university and I was actually studying psychology. 
I grew up on a farm and in a situation where for me, academic aspiration was absolutely the only road. And I loved school and I, I didn't even question it. A PhD was absolutely in my mind what I was going to do. I took a few photography courses as an elective and fell in love with it. And it's so funny because I remember my mom actually said to me at one point, I think it was maybe my second class um, in photography. And she said, you know, I've never seen you light up like this Mm -hmm. with anything else that you've ever done. And she said, would you ever consider switching into a BFA or, you know, and I literally laughed. I just went, what are you talking about? (laughs) This is, this is for fun. There's no way this is going to be a job. I'm not going to be the poor artist. And no, I'm not doing that. And I continued on the path that I, and I disregarded it despite taking every photography class I could possibly take. Then life happened and children happened and jobs happened and it became my hobby, but I never actually seriously considered pursuing it. Pandemic happened and lots of other things happened in this year as well, personally. And it was almost like a reset. And I don't know why. I mean, it's, it sounds so cliche, but it, you know, especially because so many people went through so many things. But for me, it was just a realization of time and how temporary things are and how important it is to actually try to fulfill the things that drive you and things the things that matter to you deeply and it just and it and it forced me to really think about that and in a way that my busy 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 life was preventing me not preventing me i suppose i was just choosing other priorities of course and i didn't really give myself enough time to contemplate that i just sort of my thing was it's too late right? And that was that was how I felt. It's too late. I, I had the opportunity when I was young. And now my life has evolved in all these different ways. And now it's just for fun. And that's all I need to think about it as and I should just let it go. It changed. And then Yulia taking your class was such a powerful kick in the butt <laughs> to, to just go, what do you mean it's too late? I'm still here. I'm still here. And I'm, and I'm, and I have, you know, whatever time I have left on this planet, why am I not doing what I want to do and pursuing the things that I'm passionate about and hopefully bringing things to life that I don't want to sit in a closet anymore. So yeah, it's been a thread through my whole life, but very recently mm-hmm. it kicked up a notch for sure. Gosh, Tony, like all the things, right? Like all the things you said, I'm like, yes, I sign under all of them. Yeah. And yeah. that's the that thing about joy, right? Like that's how you know, right? That's how you freaking mm-hmm. know. Yeah, uh, I know. This month in the circle, we have, we're talking about zone of genius and how do you understand what your zone of genius is and how do you stop operating in all these other zones of excellence and things that we're used to and things that pay the bills and all of that stuff but in our societies we don't talk enough about what brings us joy and our our genius and how can we move our lives closer and closer towards that rather than all the other stuff because time is short our time here is so short right and i love your story so much and your path your whole path i feel like it's something that so many people experience right we we push away those things that bring us joy because well that's not um what's practical (laughs) practical right we we have to really think about practical careers yeah um and so yeah and then i love that you had that reset 
time and you said no you know what let me let me at least give this the the respect let me at least try it let me at least try to pursue it and see what happens instead of no it's just just pushing it aside as something whimsical and that i think is what separates actually artists big letter a from not artists is that they respect the craft they respect the calling they respect the joy that it gives you and they say no let me respect it and let me go after it and see what happens we talk a lot about elizabeth gilbert's big magic book in our community right and she also talks about that right it's about showing up every day for your creativity and respecting that relationship with your creativity and saying okay you know let's honor each other and let's see what we can create together and really treating it that way and i just feel like it's such a beautiful way to approach that you know um so oh i love that that's that's so <laughs> laura what about you yeah it definitely resonates with me especially the part where it's kind of like you feel that creativity dying inside of you and i think that was like the epitome that was like the moment for me but i mean leading up to it i started off doing more like being immersed in the culinary world so i was in hospitality and culinary so i would actually do like uh, wine pair dinners and photograph those mm. and then um yeah i was in love with food still am but then i started noticing you know i really enjoyed more of the photographing aspect in addition so i've basically been in hospitality for a while and then slowly more and more i started branching out doing more say creative portraiture and um and then finally i have been obsessed with japan for most of my life so i had my first visit and it, i think that was the moment that really kind of changed yeah. things for me and it's just i don't know i i came back from that and i I, was like, I have to go again so i essentially just put all my fears aside and took my camera with me and i went for two different trips actually for a whole month each just traveling throughout japan documenting culture and japanese artisans and it was a strange thing it was like this is where i meant to be just out there photographing documenting these people like in their processes that have been passed down through generations and i just felt so alive and it was the first time i feel like that was when it hit me as like this is what i meant for and i can't imagine doing anything else with the pandemic it's obviously as you both said a difficult situation but finding ways to kind of work with and around that has been a challenge but a good one an opportunity so. yeah oh my god i just my heart just melted when you were saying <laughs> that right now because it's like that feeling of there's nothing else i'd rather be doing it's like you literally said word for word we had an ep episode a couple of episodes ago with photographer uh, based in kenya and she was talking about how there is nothing else i would rather be doing right now i feel like that's what really gives us that energy to continue and to persevere when we know deep inside like this is what makes me come alive like i got to hold on to that and i got to find a way to keep going and to make it no matter what because that that is precious that feeling is so precious i did a masters in playwriting and in birmingham and then i moved to london and started just working in theaters because i was like even if i can't get a gig 
writing an actual play for someone like I can still be in that industry so whether I'm just wiping tables in the foyer bar or selling tickets like I'm, I can still be part of that world and and it took me like a few years of being here being in London gradually I started to notice that I had a real reticence about actually sitting down and writing like part of a play and it became something that I really didn't look forward to doing my heart wasn't in it while I was doing it and then somewhere along the way I was like hang on I love travel I love writing let's try and put them together and like I saw a friend the other day and he was like you know he's a writer as well but he's a playwright and he was like have you got any writing exercises that you do to like get you motivated to write your travel articles and stuff and I was like I don't I don't want to be smug about it but I can just like now I just find myself wanting to sit down and work on stuff like that and that's been a real the real sort of teller for me is I don't have to psych myself up to do it I just do it and I enjoy it yeah Absolutely. That, that's how you know, right? Yeah. For me, it's also going to sound cliche and smug maybe, but in the past four years, since I quit that job, that, that marketing job that I had, that I never had any heart for, every morning I wake up, I'm like, okay, what are we going to work on today? And that feeling, I'm like, I, I, I never want to feel the way I used to feel, where I'm like, oh, another day of slogging through, you know? So it's similar to that holding on to that feeling of what makes you come alive. That's the reason I feel like we're all trying so hard and working. And that's what's going to get us through those difficult moments and the moments of uncertainty and instability and not knowing when your next assignment is going to come through and dealing with all those fears that we're going to get into in the moment like that if you can hold on to those feelings if you can like just remember them when it gets hard I feel like that's what's gonna get you through some of those hard moments I'm really big on dreaming on imagining or like on really visualizing the dream that we're trying to work towards and visualizing it in greatest detail because the more focused and the more clear we can be on what it is that we're working towards, the easier it will be for us to start taking action towards that path. If we have a really clear picture on what is it that we're working towards, it's easier for us to take action. And if you're watching this as a video later on, I have this little card on my table. It's in Russian, but it says, if you're going to dream, don't deny yourself the opportunity to dream big. Don't deny yourself the opportunity to dream big. And so my question to you is, what are some ways in which you have found the ability to dream big and to imagine this new sphere or, Laura, in your case, it's not new, to keep working towards the dream that you have? Are, are there some things that have helped you or are helping you? How are you thinking about that today? Recently, about <laughs> a month or two ago, I kind of fine-tuned my vision more for my dreams. I feel that I would love to be, of course, in the travel spectrum and doing a little more for travel, uh, like tourism boards, for restaurants, for artisans, promoting, showcasing with photography, but also writing. And so now it's all about where do I want to be with that? How do I work backwards? Exactly. And trying to do my best to stay on that track 
while also being kind to myself, especially during this pandemic. Mm. You just have to just sit back and be like, it's going to be okay, you know, just take it one day at a time and do what you can, but keep an eye on that future that you're working so hard to build for yourself. So it's that and, you know, through the community of genius women and just kind of propelling myself little by little, having rewards for myself helps sometimes. So and just things to look forward to every day, every week that I know I'm heading towards my goal. So those are the main things that I do right now. It works so far. I love this. I love this. Yeah, I think I think like what Laura was saying about working backwards from the ultimate yes. the ultimate dream. And I do that now, like especially since we worked on during the storytelling in action course when we worked on writing our dream down and being as detailed about it as possible. And I look at that probably every other day and just like and I look at you know like I look at the decisions I make and I just have that dream in mind and I'm like will this move get me closer to that dream and then acting accordingly based on whether it's a path that leads to my dream or whether it's a path that veers off elsewhere. I love that gosh I just want to say something because both of you brought it up um You know, it's funny. People say, oh, dreams. I I feel like there is this attitude towards dreaming that is like, oh, it's something unrealistic. It's something impractical. It's it's like your head in the clouds. What? Dreams, right? But to me, I view dreams completely the opposite. I'm like, no, dreams is the future that you see that will happen if you work towards it. It's just as simple as that. Of course, for example, I'm not dreaming to become the Queen of England because that's probably very unlikely for me, right? But if I have a dream to do something with my life that, again, going back to that fire that we have, right? I know I can do, I I know. Then it's actually very simple. You write out your vision, in very great detail and you work backwards like both of you said and there you go it's not actually some magic it's not actually something out of the sphere of you know wishful thinking and it gives me goosebumps every time I think about it because I'm like if, if only more people realize that that's the formula right you you realize you you imagine your dreams and you work backwards to make them into reality think about how much more happier our world could have been when more people are working towards their dreams and feeling happier. And I feel like we just would get rid of so many problems this way, you know? I agree with both of you about the working backwards part, because that's exactly what happened to me too. Once I realized, you know what, this is within my realm of possibility. I can actually create this even now in my life. And so after the course, the storytelling course, I backtracked a bit and went, okay, where do I want to start? with this and realized I wanted to revamp my photography skills and my editing skills and update what I was doing and learn more things that I always wanted to learn but didn't have time and didn't actually put the effort towards because I thought what's the point it's just for me and no one's ever going to see it anyway and it doesn't matter and I don't have it's again the too late thing so backing it up and being able to say what's an action I can take what's an action I can take towards this and then do another one and then do another one. And it just propels you forward. It just propels you into it. It's this really cool energy that you create yourself when you just decide to do something and act upon it. And it it can be the smallest thing. It can be a big thing. It doesn't matter, but it just is an action. 
And I think that's what was really powerful for me. It was just creating actions that are putting me in contact with people that have the skills and the knowledge and the passion for the things that I do and learning from them and utilizing that to propel myself forward. So that's been, it's been an amazing few months for that. And, and imagine that we're talking like that in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which was so crazy, but it was, it, that was a huge silver lining. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I think that what you said about actions, I feel like for a lot of us, women especially, right? We're such perfectionists and we're like, we see the gap that separates where we are from where we want to be. And that gap is so huge. And it's almost like it paralyzes us to inaction when we're like, how do I ever get there? It's such a big gap. But I think we very, very underestimate the power of small actions every day, the power of doing something that gets you closer and closer. Because over time, those build, it becomes like the snowball. Lo and behold, a year from now, you see yourself, oh, I'm published here. I work with this brand. I do this. I made it happen. But it all started because you were taking those small actions every day. Of course, it's not, not going to be an overnight. It's never going to be an overnight. I'm sorry to disappoint <laughs> any <laughs> listeners who might think that that's how it works. It's never going to be an overnight success story, never in any industry. So I think we really underestimate the power of those small actions. So when all three of you are talking about that, my heart is just blooming the whole the whole hour today. I'm going to be I'm going to be blooming today. <laughs> Cuz really it it makes me so happy to hear that. That's the whole reason we're here, right? In terms of this genius women effort. I don't know what it is about, but the idea of helping other women to do all these things. I'm just like literally soaring. I'm like, I'm so happy seeing that happen because the more of us do this, again, going back to the more of us do this, the more the world is going to be a better place. And it starts with this small community, right? But then each one of you is going to impact someone else and maybe think differently and show some other people in some other conversations to the power of this. And that's how it starts, right? And then we're going to change the world this way. (laughs) Before we do that, Let's talk about fears because, man, what an animal our fears are. What a dragon, uh, a multi-head dragon our fears are. And this is a topic that shows up again and again in many conversations that I have with people who are looking in some shape or form to explore their creativity and to start putting their creative work out there. It shows up so many times. Tony, you mentioned that fear of, you know, it's too late for me. Hannah, you mentioned I'm not qualified or I'm not, uh, I think that's what you said, that you're not qualified enough to do this work. This is what breaks my heart truly, because I see very clearly that all of the things, all of the technical and tangible things, we can learn. We can learn how to be a better photographer. We can learn the technology of our cameras. We can learn how to write better. We can take courses. We can do very practical things. We can learn the skills. But what's stopping us most of the time is not that we think, right? We think, oh, I'm not a good enough photographer. I'm not a good enough writer, so I can never do that. And we don't realize that what's stopping us is our fear, not the fact that we cannot do something. Because we can learn. We can 100% absolutely learn all of these skills. But if we are afraid, we're not taking actions and then not, nothing is happening for us. So 
this subject is also near and dear to my heart because, yeah, it's stopping so many people. It's stopping so many people, myself included, right? We, we talked about, and I shared this in the class, I think, and it's in the episodes, like, look at me. A month ago, NetGeo reached out to me for a project. Like, what? It's incredible, right? It's incredible. It, it's, it's, it's my dream come true. The other week, an editor reached out to me for a package for another big magazine that she's like, hey, I know you can do this. What, what do you got? Show me, uh, send me some ideas. So like in some ways, I've reached that stage. I've proven myself so many times. I can do this. I am qualified. Still those fears every morning. What will people think? I'm not qualified enough. I'm a fraud. Who am I kidding? They will see through it. So what I want to talk about a little bit is what are some ways in which you have been able to recognize some of your fears? Because recognition is number one, right? It's like... It's recognizing, oh, no, it's just a fear. It's nothing else. And I'm not going to let it stop me. So what are some ways in which you've learned how to recognize the fears and then to manage them a little bit better in this process? I think for me, especially recently, I have two adult children and I find myself encouraging them in ways that I recognize I don't encourage myself. Mm. And I mean, and it applies to a friend or a sister yes. or anyone else too, in that if they were encountering the situation or the circumstance that you were encountering or the doubt or the fear, what would you say to them? And you certainly wouldn't say to them what you say to yourself, yes. ever, <laughs> like ever, ever. ever. It's the opposite. It's totally the opposite. <laughs> and I think I started to really realize that in, in really thinking about the stories I tell myself about myself and about my life. And it's a story, it's a version of the events or the version of the circumstance that makes sense to me, but is there another way to look at it? And we get so entrenched in our own stories about things. And so you, it's just habits of mind, really. And I've just tried to be very conscious of it and try to catch myself lately thinking these things that I wouldn't ever say to anyone else. So why am I saying it to me? You know, and I and I'm finding that's helping. <laughs> it's helping. It's making me making me think twice about the limitations that I put on myself. And also, I'm thinking lately a lot that what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? What do I? What am I afraid of? I care a lot less about what people think of me now at this point in my life than I ever did. I'm more concerned about fulfilling what I actually want and believe and and care about. And so. I'm less concerned about that. And, and that's a good feeling to yeah. not worry about judgment and what other people's opinions are. It's okay. Oh, I love that so much, Tony. And that is actually what I do a lot nowadays too. I'm like, why are you speaking to yourself in this horrible way? You would never speak to any of your friends this way. You're always yeah. so supportive to your friends and so uplifting why not use the same? But I, I don't know what it is, right? It's like it's some sort of a defect in the system that like we yeah. do this, right? Or maybe we are not taught and we are not discussing this enough in society. Not, now we are more and more. But like by and large, it's like this very aggressive, negative way to towards yourself. Why? Why do we do that? The thing about recognizing that and now being aware every time, because it's still going to happen, right? It's not like mm -hmm. we're just going to turn off the switch. It's going to yeah. probably continue happening. But now you're aware and you're like switching that narrative when you notice it. That's powerful. 
I agree on so many levels. <laughs> I've also started being kinder to myself and it's a long time coming. I think there was a moment where I realized I didn't feel like I could put any of my own work on my walls, like in my apartment, like I wasn't good enough. And I just, I don't know, I just woke up one day and um, there was this one particular photo that I had taken inside a taxi cab in Tokyo with two geisha next to me. That was, and (laughs) I look at it now every now and then because I use it as a reminder and be like, how did I even get to that point? Like I was directing a photo shoot in Tokyo with geisha and, you know, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, you don't, I don't at least admire that about myself that you have like the, um, you know, obviously skills eventually, but more just that will and that drive to get there and that passion. And so I think having those little reminders every now and then, or, you know, every time you pass it in your apartment sort of thing to kind of be like, yeah, I did that. And you start just being a little more aware of how you talk to yourself and how you, you know, promote yourself in your own head sort of thing. So yes. yes. Oh my gosh. I love I that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I think as well, it's remembering that every you can turn every fear on its head. And I think, you know, some days it's easier than others to do that. Like with me, like definitely depends what kind of mood, like mindset I'm in when I try and do that. But I like, you know, sort of write down my fears, write down what I'm scared of or what I'm scared about before doing something and you know and trying to like counter counter it with like like if I send a pitch off and I'm just like oh I'll never get it but I'm just like well why should why shouldn't I get it and or you know little things like you know oh I'm not I'm not qualified enough for instance and just like well is anyone ever like completely like do they ever believe they're completely qualified and and also, like, there's a, there's a quote that keeps, like, that keeps cropping up everywhere that's, like, I can't remember it exactly, so I'm paraphrasing, but it's, like, go after go after your dreams with the same confidence that an angry white man would. <laughs> and, like, like, just like a bulldozer. Yes. Um, so try and remember that. <laughs> I saw this uh, a little bit different iteration of it. Give me the confidence of an average white man. And a big love to all my white man friends. But I, I hope you understand what we're talking about here, which is this more systemic way in which lack of self-confidence shows up in women and the way imposter syndrome shows up in women and the way we're socialized to always think that we're never good enough from the way we look to the way we speak and basically everything we do, we are whole, held to such a high impossible standard that it's very easy for us to think that we will never meet that standard and that we will never be good enough. And it shows up in all kinds of ways. And it, that's how it permeates our thinking that who am I to send this pitch? Who am I to do this work? I will never be good enough, qualified enough, right? Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, 
again, I don't think we are ever able to completely get rid of it. If you hear, if you listen to all those TED Talks by all those famous people who, I think even Oprah said at once that she has imposter syndrome when, before she goes on stage, or maybe it wasn't Oprah, maybe Oprah doesn't have it, but somebody... <laughs> somebody uh, of similar kind of stature so it will never go away but with time you are able to manage it better and better and again you like you keep reminding yourself that this is just the thoughts that are showing up in your head they have no basis in reality actually and I love your approach to it Laura the printing out of your picture Mm -hmm. which I think is so powerful it's so powerful. I you, you cannot see it, but I actually have seven of my pictures hung on the wall. Seven of my favorite picture images on the wall here. And I look at them often and I remind myself exactly that thing, right? Like Ooh. I'm actually a badass. I went and did an assignment in Mongolia, drove through crazy weather and <laughs> for three days to get on this lake to take these photos in near like near-death temperatures, and then I had it published in National Geographic. I'm a freaking badass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to remind ourselves that. I, I, lo- I love all of your suggestions. I feel like that's something that um, if our listeners can adopt even little small uh, pieces of what we're discussing here today, I think you know, they're, they're, you're going to be already way on their way to a more happy and beautiful creative life. That's amazing. What I want to talk about next, now that we've established that dreams are super important and they're not magical thinking at all, now that we covered our fears a little bit, and that could be its own episode, there is a lot to talk about there. Let's talk about this idea that I also think about often these days, is it... Why are we so wired, especially when we start, to think that we have to do this all on our own? That there is no one out there to help me, that if I don't figure this out on my own, I'm a failure, because why, how couldn't I figure it out on my own? What is this, right? Why, why do we have this in our societies that I have to be a superwoman? And again, maybe it's about that impossible standard that we're being held towards, that I have to do this all on, on, on myself. Tell me what uh, your experience has been with this and what, what your thoughts are on this. When I started, that was, exact, that was 100% me. I'm, I'm starting in this industry. I don't know anybody. I don't know anything. But I'm going to continue just trying to figure it out because that's what successful people do. That's how we do it. We do it on our own. And that's such a huge myth. So let's debunk it. I think it's true for me, not only in creative pursuits, but it was very true for me in all aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. As a parent, as a a person going through all sorts of different things, I always thought I have to figure this out. And if I don't, there's something wrong with me. I'm not getting it. I'm not strong enough. I'm not trying hard enough, whatever it was. And I have very poignant moments in my life where there were times when people close to me literally forced their way in and stepped in to help me with something that I was struggling with on my own. And it was only in hindsight that I could recognize how powerful that was and how much an impact that made on how everything played out and how much more fun <laughs> and, and less stressful and... Um, you know, and I was so, I think it was part of it's, I think, shame 
You know, you feel like if you have to ask for help, it's shameful in some way. And I think that was something that always permeated my feelings about asking for help. I was embarrassed to ask for help. And and I'm still working on that. That's something that hasn't gone away. But I feel community or working with other people through anything, whether it's any part of your life and creative pursuits, empowers you and also empowers the other person. Everybody's lifted by it. And I and it's not something shameful. It's the polar opposite. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why I felt that way for so long. It stuck with me for decades in all kinds of things. And I don't know if we're taught that or if it's some, it's just like negative self-talk, if it's just something that begins and then is just a pattern of thinking. I don't know, but I'm really working on it. And I'm finding that it's slowly shifting for me. I have those feelings still, but I try to bulldoze them and keep going and connect with people instead because it always makes a difference for me when I do. I have a theory that you're asking why that is. I have a theory mm-hmm. that it's 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 one way in which a very patriarchal system shows up in our societies, maybe from a very old age, from the middle ages, right? Uh, when women were bonding together, it's a witchhood of some sort. Yeah. It's not, it's not safe. It's dangerous. So especially in like puritanical societies of which US is one and, you know, uh, UK, I believe as well. It's a theory, right? It, not to say that's exactly how we live our lives today, but I do think that something of that comes from us, comes to us from the past is impacting how we think today as well, that when women bond together, it's dangerous. <laughs> And so we're taught not to do that. We're taught to figure it all out on our own, you know. Or in fact, it could be further from the truth. When we bond together, it's powerful. And we uplift each other, like you said, Tony. Yeah, I think it's so ingrained in every little corner of society that asking for help is a weakness. Mm-hmm. And you can and you can say it about, you know, you can say it about so many things. And you know, I, you know, always sort of, you know, prided myself on being, you know, like, you know, an independent person. I can admit that I'm quite a stubborn person. And, but being part of a community doesn't make me like any less independent. Like it it amplifies that. Mm -hmm. It gives me the strength to be more independent. It makes me feel more powerful. And quite often, if I've sort of like, you know, if I've sort of shut myself in the bedroom for a few hours and I've, you know, got in my head too much and I can't see the wood for the trees anymore and all of my words on the page are just a complete blur, I have to just step away from it and I just have to talk to someone who will, who gets it. And that's just a tonic that we all, I think, need that solidarity. Yes. I I think you just brought up something really important, Hannah, because not every group of people is community. And I've experienced this a lot when I was just starting out in this industry that, you know, I have my friends and I love my friends. I love them to death. But they didn't understand what I was going through at the point, at the time. You know, most of them were in corporate. Most of them still are like going in this career path and all of that. And It was just so difficult for me because, yes, I had a community with them, but it was a very different type of a community, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't understand the struggles that I was going through. And what you're talking about, I think lately, this is what 
has helped me thrive so much in the past year or so is finding people who exactly get the struggles, who are wanting the same things, who are like-minded people. I mean, like-minded people is another, it's becoming like this cliche as well. It's so overused that word, but it's true. It's, that's what you need. Like-minded and like-hearted people who will lift you up when you're like shut out in the room. For me, I'm thinking about community over competition. Mm. And that was a thing that, you know, I thought I had to do everything myself as well. And I was just used to it. I just thought I'm independent, do this, do that. And I guess over time, I just started to meet some really inspirational women. And I was like, wow, you're such a badass. Like, how do you do all that? And they're just like, I don't. Like I have massive help and it's just like that unveiling of the, like behind the curtain. I'm just like, Oh, and they tell me a little more. I'm like, okay. Okay. Um, and it, and it's fascinating to find those strengths, um, you know, in other women as well, especially where you have weaknesses. And for me, I feel like I like to showcase, um, you know, other women lift them up. I did this series for like Women's History Month where I interviewed and photographed uh, just different women who I thought were badasses. And it's just fascinating hearing their answers to things, some that were not as predictable as you'd think. And a lot of it was, you know, like, oh, I didn't believe in myself. Like I went through all this like years of hardship with um, just you know, a feeling like I was a failure and then like through this and this and other help and other women, you know, I was able to kind of get on my feet and I thought that was so empowering. So I've been opening more and more to community, especially women, like community of women. Yeah, I feel like something is happening collectively. Something is shifting in our societies because I don't know, even five, 10 years ago, I wasn't really thinking about that at all. But lately, and I don't know, maybe it's also a function of growing more mature, that this is something that I think about a lot, is how do I help other women? How do I lift other women up? How do I share with them what I know? How do I lift that curtain, which is what you're referring to, Laura, because for some reason, especially this industry, you know, travel media industry, travel photography, travel writing industry, it's still very much secretive industry. There's still a lot of uh, kind of guarding. It's it's still very exclusive in some ways. You know, only the best of the best get to do this job. Like, why? What, what is that all about? And so uh, sharing that and really just I guess growing the circle of again women who want to do similar things is it's it's been important to me and I honestly stumbled into it you know I I just felt really lonely myself in this path for the past three or four years and when I started finding actually people like you that I'm speaking now with you see me today I'm I'm giddy the whole hour I'm like You know, it's powerful both ways, right? It's powerful both ways. I think what you said, Laura, um, something really resonated with me in that I think we often create beliefs in our own head or myths about other people and how they do things. And we assume that they are, like you said, just doing it. There's super people that somehow manage to create and do all these amazing things on their own independently. And you don't realize that they also have a network that they support and that supports them. And at least for myself, that's how I felt. I felt like I always sort of revered people who were so strong and so independent and so capable. 
and assumed they were doing it on their own. And that the fact that I wasn't meant I didn't live up to that standard. And I think it's really important to create a different standard <laughs> in, in your own head of what that means and how to do it. And just be realistic about your ideas of other people and how you're comparing yourself to them. What you said about not comparing, and that's so important. It's so powerful to just stop that and become much more aware of how you are creating these myths in your own head. Yes, I, I love that you brought this up, Tony, because also I'm sure you've seen this like meme or something, a quote that has been floating around for many years now. It's like, you have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce, <laughs> right? And it's like, well, yes, for sure. And then let's also talk about the fact that Beyonce has a huge team behind her who is helping Holy. her do all kinds of things, right? Which yeah. is what, exactly what you're talking about, Tony. It's like demystifying yeah. that idea of a single person being able to do all these incredible things alone. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this and debunking all these myths. Amazing, amazing. So we talked about dreams, we talked about fears, community. I would love to hear if you have any sort of piece of advice that you would like to share with our listeners who are perhaps interested in pursuing this creative path or interested in growing it into something more substantial and working with their fears and starting to honor this path and honor this creativity that lights them up inside. What pieces of advice would you share with them as a parting gift for this episode that has helped you on your creative journey? I think it's easy for people to think of the next logical step when you're thinking of something like my tap is broken and what should I do? It's so much harder to think of what's your next logical step when it's something that you deem a matter of your heart or a matter of your spirit or a matter of your creativity because of the different value we place on those things. And I think my advice would be to myself included is to value that just as much as all of the practical things in our life that we're always finding solutions for and always taking the next logical step for and finding what's one step you can take? What's Because that was what was powerful for me. What's one thing I can do to actually move in the direction of honoring this and creating it to be a real thing in my life and not just an idea in my life and just not something I'm dreaming about or thinking about, but to make it real, you know? And one thing, you know, take a class, listen to a podcast, do something, learn something and just do one thing towards it. And then that propels you to the next and the next. And, and you'll find it growing in, in your life as a real entity. And you create new connections and, and it, just, it just blossoms from there. So that's mine. Love I'm it. still doing that. <laughs> we all are, right? We all, I'm yeah. still doing that too. It's, it's a never ending journey, but it's like, and, and your, dream, your dream evolves. It adds new branches to it. You know, it, it's mm -hmm. an ever evolving process, but that's exactly how it goes yeah absolutely I love that that's something I've been trying more and more to do I'm often a person that gets overwhelmed um, trying to do too much and it's been kind of my mantra what you just said for the past couple of months and it's really been helping um, and another thing that I guess I would have as advice is to be kinder to yourself and I think that's hugely important when we start to have those thoughts that we all talked about, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm such a failure, this, this, and this. But then what we just touched on, you know, realizing we're all kind of in that boat where we're not, you know, we all have things going on and we're all trying to do the best that we can. 
and we all need help. So I think just recognizing that and just every day kind of waking up doing something for yourself that kind of affirms like who you are. Yes, what you want to do and you know what you're building towards, but like be proud of yourself and your accomplishments to date. I think that's so important. Um, I tell my partner that all the time because that's like his biggest thing. And it really is just opening that for yourself. And it just puts you on such a higher frequency, I guess you could say. Yeah. And prepares you for moving forward. Oh, I love that. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I I would say that it's never, I think you need to normalize the fact that you know our dreams can change from the from the point where we pick the subjects in school that we want to specialize in Mm. to 10 plus years later like it's completely fine to then realize that you want to take your life in a different direction we're not the same people we were when we you know when we made those choices I think I think the fact that we're expected to make choices at like 16 and 18 that define the rest of our lives is is bonkers and I think and I just think that one of the things that's really like that I've really seen as well because I got like I when I got my first article published and then I got my second article published and I was like, you're watching it happen. It still doesn't quite feel real. And you're like, you know, how long can this sort of continue? But uh, I think you just have to, I think you have to trust in the timing of things. And I, you know, I've seen, you know, seeing my articles in print, I'm looking at them and I'm just like, oh my God, I wasted so much time spending so many years doing stuff that wasn't this. And then that's when I've like been like, no, Hannah, you need to be kind to yourself because like just because it's happening now doesn't mean that it would have necessarily happened this way if it had happened any earlier. Like this is exactly the right time for this thing to happen now. It's going to sound a little, what's the word? New age, I guess. Uh, trust in the universe, trust mm-hmm. in the process, trust in the time. I, I love that thing about trust in the timing of things. One question that people always ask me is, how do I pitch National Geographic or how do I work with National Geographic? And without having done any steps or without developing your craft or without any of those things that you need to work up to pitching National Geographic. No, like I want to pitch National Geographic now. (laughs) You know, everything has its timing. And I was one of those people. I pitched National Geographic I think four months after I quit my job, I'm like, yes, I'm, you know, I'm going to work with National Geographic. And of course, I never heard back from them from that pitch. Never, ever, ever. You know, the timing is everything, right? You have to, you have to work, um, you know, build up yourself, build up your portfolio, and then National Geographic will come and then they will come to you. And, and, and there is a process and there is a method behind it. And that's what we teach in our classes. And that's what we discuss in our membership. Timing is everything. And if I just summarize what the three of you said, it's being kind to yourself, which is so, so important, right? We have to remember that all the time. It's honoring that relationship with your creativity. And then it's trusting the timing. 
and taking action, the most important one, taking action. You know, you've heard me speak about this a lot. Action is the only thing that separates our dreams from our reality. We have to start taking action. Until we act, nothing is going to happen. So what is the way for you to find a little step towards what you want to do? A little tiny step. It doesn't have to be huge. A little tiny step towards your dream. And then all kinds of things are going to start happening for you. And I believe in this wholeheartedly, 100%. And I thank you so much for a wonderful conversation today. It was a beautiful reminder of the power of putting four brilliant women in the room and having a conversation. And I'm, I really thank you for your time and for your wisdom today. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. for bringing us together. Thank you so much for listening today and I hope you found this panel discussion useful and inspiring. And just a reminder that our membership, The Circle, is open for enrollment at any time and inside. We hold conversations like these and support our members in a variety of ways. You can check out our membership at travelmedialab.com slash circle. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you next week for our final episode of this season.